Hello and welcome to my show, Rate My Retirement. My name is Dan Casey. I'm going to be bringing on my guest in just a minute. We're going to review his entire retirement plan. I'm going to give you my thoughts uh, and you as the viewer can ask questions. Uh, if we're on Facebook, go ahead and, and ask questions in your comment, uh, in the comment section there. My producer will chime in and let me know what those questions are. We will uh, discuss them on the show. Um, if you're watching live on uh, Facebook, you can like my page, I think, and you'll get notifications when I do the shows in the future. If you're watching it on YouTube, it's pre-recorded, uh, but there too, just like, uh, subscribe, share, whatever the heck you do on, uh, on YouTube. Um, and like I said, my producer is waiting in the rings, uh, wings, Ryan. So again, if you have any questions or issues, just, uh, post those in the comments right there. Uh, just real quick about me. I'm an independent financial advisor. I've been doing this for about 20 years with my own firm. Um, I've been blessed never to have to work for the big brokerage firms, the big wirehouses, uh, forcing me to maybe not do what I think is best uh, for my clients. Um, I've been invited out to uh, Williamton, Delaware to do TEDx talks, uh, out to High Point University to do a talk there about inflation. And now you fine folks are inviting me into your, your home, your work, your car, wherever the heck you are. So uh, let's get started. Uh, thanks, Brian, for joining me today. Hey, my pleasure. Happy to be here. All right, so we're going to do so bring up uh, Ryan that first slide. Our uh, case study here is going to be Brian and Julie Evans. And I had a feeling Julie was not going to uh, to be uh, joining us. Brian. Yeah. So no, she's not into no, she's, thing, no, no, she likes being behind the camera, not in front of it. Yeah, nice. Um, all right, so here we are, Brian, Julie, uh, uh, ages 46 and 43. So far, the youngest ones that I've done a case study. So I love it. Two children, 19 and 17. Uh, Brian's a director of marketing and uh, he's in Michigan. Uh, Ryan, go to the uh, next slide, the asset slide. As of right now, we've got uh, assets of uh, 827222 in uh, in really qualified accounts. I have an IRA there, but it's uh, an IRA and a 401k. Um, and then non-qualified, 163300 um, And income desired. Uh, you told me, I believe you told me it was a 100,000. Yeah, 100,000 gross. You didn't really know. You just threw it out. Um, right. So what I did is I bumped it up with inflation. Just so 100,000 now is really going to technically be 170,000 when you guys retire. I know it sounds like a lot of money, but uh, I think I was just using like two and a half percent just to kind of get a basic uh, income. So that's uh, gross when you guys retire. Um, and then Social Security, I also kind of uh, bump, kept bumping it up with inflation a little bit. And that's going to roughly be about $96,000 when you guys retire, which is your full benefit. And of course, Julie's spousal, which will be half of that. Perfect. Um, yeah, some of that, uh, some of that non-qualified money. I know we talked about that. We laughed about that. Julie likes to have uh, uh, quite a bit of money <laughs> sitting at the bank, come um, in cash. So I think one hundred fifty thousand dollars is just sitting there at a bank. So that's uh, that's awesome. Whatever gives her warm fuzzies, right? That's important. <laughs> so um, that's what that unqualified money is: is the amount in that's not in yeah. an investment account of some sort. I probably shouldn't use the jargon like that, but non-qualified just means, yeah, non-tax qualified. So qualified accounts are IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, all that stuff. Um, anything that's not in those types of retirement accounts are called non-qualified or non-tax qualified. Yeah. Okay. So as long as you guys are clients, I will constantly urge uh, her to see if she can invest some of that money, even if it's, you know, there would be very little fluctuation in some super safe invest investments and super liquid. So she can get access to her money pretty quickly. But again, if she's going to hate me for um, not being able to go down and get that money out quickly, then we'll just leave it right there. Um, I don't know what, what the hang up is. It's not like we owe bookies or anything like that. We need like, you know, 50 grand before someone breaks our kneecaps or something. I, you're right. I was thinking she, maybe, likes, like, it. she likes it. Maybe like, I was thinking maybe there's a gambling problem. I didn't want to pry too much or 
no, 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 like no meth, no meth issues or, or no, 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 not, not that I'm aware of. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. So <laughs> that's, that's and, it's, and it's not like, you know, what I see when I see that is a lot of times when, of, of course, the, the older generation who uh, either they or their parents or whatever went through the great depression. That's <laughs> Julie's 43. So I'm not sure what her, what her, <laughs> so maybe she, maybe she's an old soul. Maybe that could be. All right. All right, Ryan, go to the next screen, Issues and Concerns. So really all this, this will probably be a short, a short show because really all you want to know is, you know, Dan, hey, am I on track? Am I saving enough? Do I have enough um, to kind of meet my goals? So that's what we're going to address today. Are you on track? Are you tax diversified? Um, and then we're going to talk about a trust a little bit because I know when our kids were playing hockey way back many years ago, I was urging you then, dude, you need to get a trust and you right. still haven't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do one last stab to try to get you to get a trust. No, actually, I've got plans for that too. I'll, I'll yeah. That, All right, that's, cool. that's that's cooking. It's like so not fun to do, and it's like money you just and you then you get a big binder and you throw it on your shelf. But it, it is important. It's like I always equate it to getting a roof on your house. You know, it's like so not fun and it's super expensive. But uh, whatever. Okay. All right. So the first thing I do, um, as regular viewers of my show will know, all. 14 of them is what I do is I, I go through all the assumptions, um, how much money you're putting in. Um, we're going to grow it till you retire. You told me, I think you wanted to retire, uh, 62 ish, right? Your age yeah, or sooner or sooner. Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I've got all the money going in. I've got it growing at an assumed rate. I've got social security kicking in. I've got inflation at 4%, uh, for a couple decades, a little bit higher than norm. Then I bring it down to three and then, um, I kick in how much money you're going to be withdrawing at 62. Um, and I take it all to uh, 95, basically. Uh, you you being 98, Julie being 98 or 95. So what I do is I go, okay, if, if to make sure his money lasts for that entire time with all these assumptions I threw at you, what rate of return do you need every single year to be set for life to make sure that you, you can take all the income that you said you wanted um, and be set for life? So that rate, do you want to guess at all on what rate of return you need every year from here oh, on out? Gosh, I have and no there, idea. There'd be no reason why you would. I, I'd done this like, for 20 years. I, yeah, go ahead. Give it to 30, me. Give me something. 30%. Okay. So you'll be, you'll be pleasantly surprised. So Brian, Ryan, oh, good. I'm calling you, bring, bring up the rate of return, rate, rate of retirement rate of return. Oh, even better. All right. Isn't that sweet? All right. So. What that tells me, if it did come back at like 10, 12, 15, 20%, well, then that's when I got to tell people, sorry, you, you either need to start putting a lot more in, or, you know, we have to have some serious growth in the market, or maybe you're just not going to be able to get the income that you, that you want. Um, so I think that's perfect. Meaning all you need to make, oh, let me, let me show you the difference between the 6.3 and the seven. So the 6.3% is, I just told the software, basically get him to zero. At his age, 98, and uh, Julie at 95, what rate of return does he need on his money to end with zero? So he spends all his money. That's the 6.3% mark. And then really, all you need is slightly more than that. 7% is what I told the software is end with what he started with. And when you start retiring, you're going to have around around 3 million. So I said, all right, let's end with 3 million. So he lived off his, his assets his whole life, and he gets to pass on to his kids 3 million bucks. So not too shabby, right? And that's only 7%. That's, that works. Isn't that cool? So yeah, so, um, you know, and we're starting to start, when we start to get to seven, eight, nine, it does start to get um, where it's, 
I start to get a little bit more uncomfortable because if we do have rampant inflation for a while, um, then then we're going to probably want to ramp things up a little bit. But um, I think this is I think this is pretty awesome. So it's uh, you guys are at a really good point right now. You saved um, a substantial amount of money, and uh, and we're a golden. So let's go now to. Oh, I know, Ryan. Go to the RMD screen. Well, only when I tell you to. Don't do it just quite yet. So, do you remember? Do you remember, Brian? When I think we talked when we first were going over this, and um, oh, I had asked you if you can in your four hundred one k can you contribute to a Roth inside your four hundred one k? Right. Do you know the answer? Do you know the answer? I now? don't. I don't know that I can. I've been looking, and I don't really see anything that clearly tells me that that's an option. But open enrollment starts for my company in five days. So I'll be able to have access to all kinds of like planning on the benefits and all that. So I'll be able to okay. dig into that a little bit deeper. And if you want, forward it to me and I can at least browse through it as well. Because it really, it shouldn't be difficult to find out. It should really be pretty straightforward. And it, But anyways, if you want to get it to me, okay. let me know and I'll, I'll take a look. Because if you continue at the pace that you are, um, what I did is is that rate of ret rate of the retirement rate of return uh, program that I run. That's you know assuming you make six point three percent for the rest of your life and, and all these contributions going in. I think I, I have it at twenty three five twenty twenty three thousand five hundred twenty. Your how much you're putting in the match and I think I threw in a little bonus in there. I, I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be every year, but so all that money is going into the pre tax world, right? Your four hundred one k. So. Every dollar you put in, number one, you're increasing the required uh, distribution, the amount that the government's going to force you to pull out when you turn 72. And I know you youngsters, 72 seems so far away. <laughs> but if we can make some smart moves now, it might, you know, it might make sense. So every dollar you put in, you're increasing how much the IRS is going to force you to pull out at 72. We have no idea what tax rates are going to be. Um, so you're in relationship with the IRS and it just keeps growing more and more. The, the, uh, Analog, not analog. Anecdote maybe that I say a lot in my seminars is um, the IRS loves you contributing to these 401ks and, and giving you these little deductions. And I call those little deductions apple seeds because the apple seeds turn into apple trees inside these 401ks and, and IRAs. And the government is salivating over all that money and they, they can't wait to tax the crap out of you. So um, they love giving you these little apple seeds, enticing you to put money into these accounts. And uh, it is just growing and growing and growing. And uh, that's that's the problem. I I would prefer you stop that growing right now into the the bucket that the government's got their hands in and start growing it in a bucket where they can never touch again as of today's tax laws anyway. Which and is, that's, of course, the, that's the Roth. That is the Roth IRA. So what I would prefer you do is, first of all, see if your 401k, of course, has a Roth option. And then I would I would put as much as you can in the Roth. The match portion always goes into the pre-tax, so you, the match won't go into the Roth. But whatever, it's free money. You know, whatever we'll we'll deal with it. Um, and and do that and put as much as you can into the into the Roth four hundred one k. So is that when you say put it into a Roth four hundred one k? Is that like just an investment position within my four hundred one k plan, or is it a whole separate savings vehicle? It's it's pretty much just just think of it just like the regular 401k, but it's just now it's into the regular 401k uh, when you're contributing and you know how it gets zapped out of your paycheck. It just goes right in. You never see it, right? So right. what that does is the amount that you're putting into that 401k, it's actually reducing your adjusted gross income. So it's reducing your taxation now. 
right. but it's, it's growing into an account it's growing. And so when you pull it out though, then it increases your taxation then at tax rates unknown. So really the, nothing's going to change as far as money will still get zapped out of your paycheck. And instead of putting it into the pre-tax 401k, they're going to put it into the Roth 401k. So your adjusted gross income doesn't come down as much um, because you can't deduct those contributions into the Roth. But now that Roth can grow to $100,000 to $300,000 of all completely tax-free money. And that's going to be huge if we do see tax rates going up substantially because of the fact that we're, you know, almost 29 trillion in debt right now and right. giving money to everybody and their brother and whoever, right? So, um, so that's, that's what I want, would want you to do now. And, and you know, so I, I try to tell people that, you know, yes, your taxes are going to go up a little bit if you stop contributing to the pre-tax and putting it in the post-tax, but the little amount that your taxes go up now, I think will, will reap tons of rewards in retirement. Uh, when you can really, when you'll be tax diversified and we can kind of work around whatever the hell the IRS is doing at that time, whatever the rates are. Did I just swear? I think I just. No. No. no okay, good. I don't think all so. Right, so. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, um, so that's what we want. We'd like to do preferably so we can get more tax diversified because um, as, so I did a quick analysis. If you continue to put the 23.5 into your pre-tax 401k, uh, every year, plus the match and plus all the bonuses and everything like that, where I'm just, I grow it at, oh, I grow it at the 6.63%, 6.3%. Um, and you take it all the way to 72 to figure out how much you're going to have to pull out. I think I did this, didn't I, when we first talked? I feel like you did, but I don't remember what the number, I don't. You, you probably blanked it out. So it's, it's $241,000 that you're going to have to pull out at age 72. So that's a substantial amount of money. So um, it's and you're rare in, in in the sense that you've got a, a fair amount of money and you're still young. And so if you just compound that over years, it's just gonna it's you're just creating a tax monster. Um, so that's why I would <laughs> I want you to stop putting money into those buckets if you can, please. So okay. Um, worst case scenario. Uh, if they don't, if you don't have a Roth option, I would want you to only contribute what you have to, to get your full match, to get your free money. Okay. And then don't Actually, contribute that's all I'm doing. more. That, that's all I'm doing now anyway. It is. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you, oh, Cause they're, they're mad. They're matching so much. You don't even have to put yeah, much in to get a nice match. Right. Right. Yep. 6%. I if I think if this, um, finance thing doesn't work at all out for me, I'm going to, I'm going to come work for you at that, at that company. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty awesome bonus and whatever they're it's, doing over there. That seems to have been cool. working well so far. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So crap. So you don't, um, you're already only contributing 6%. Well, whatever. I would want you to, um, contribute to the Roth. And then I would also like you to contribute to a Roth outside of your retirement plan, if you can as well. Um, just getting as much as we can into that, uh, into the tax-free world is all. Okay. Um, all right. So issues, concerns, da, da, da. Need to start tax. All right. Let's switch over to, let's talk about now the trust. Yeah. Your favorite topic. Well, I, it's not that I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I just don't know what the hell a trust is and what it does. Like, what, what do I gain from it? Yeah. I'm happy to, happy to do one. And I just learned this past week from a colleague that apparently in addition to the great 401k match that I get, my company also offers a benefit called Met Law, where I pay like a 
yearly premium to get access to uh, local legal services to to do trusts and wills and property oh, cool. law. Right. I, I pay like twenty bucks a month for to, to have access to the service, and then they it's almost like legal insurance provided through work, just like medical insurance would be. Wow, gosh. so so I'm gonna take advantage of that and and get my trust and get my will and get all that stuff done as soon as I you know, do my enrollment. Can you can you when we're done here? Can you fax me an application for the for that? Sure. Job? <laughs> Wait, sure. what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do again? What do you do? Well, it's uh, pharmaceutical marketing. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, you right, can anyway. do that. All yeah. right, anyway, all right. So, oh uh, yeah, so I would do that in a, in a heartbeat. All right, so let's 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 go over again what what the trust does. So as of right now, the issues if you walk out of here and you know get hit by a beer truck. Your kids, one well, one of your kids, is under the age of majority in, in the state of Michigan, so he cannot receive any of your. Oh well, no, this would be if if something happened to Julie as well. All right, so you're both on a hike and you get hit by a beer truck, both of you. Um, Tyler cannot receive any money because he's under the age of majority. Okay. So it it would have to be probated, and a probate judge would have to decide how he get how he gets that money. Okay. So. Uh, and it just probates very expensive. People assume, oh, it's a government, you know, pro but there, you know, you have to hire a lawyer. You have to, everything's got to be appraised. It's, it takes months because they post everything on, uh, 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 publicly to make sure that there's no, you know, you don't owe anybody money. There's no creditors no out liens. there. No right. liens. Yeah. So it's just stupid. It's messy. And if you can avoid it, you absolutely should. So in he'll, he's going to be in the age of majority very soon here. So then the next issue is. Um, you probably just have them listed on beneficiary forms, right? As contingents, of course, exactly. probably the main, right? Okay. Right. So again, really, this whole, this whole talk is more, you know, if something happens to both of you, if something happens to you, obviously, uh, Julie's, you know, still around, she's got it and it'll, everything will be fine. But, um, if something happens to both of you and the kids are on as beneficiaries, so the beneficiary forms there's, it's really simple to like, all you do is you put their name on there and that's it. Well, there's still things, a lot of things that can come up where they might not get full access to the money. So of course, I'm sure no one's getting married anytime soon, but um, you know, if she ever gets married and uh, gets a divorce and you never update your beneficiary forms or whatever, the, the spouse can take, you know, that money. So you would prefer it to be passed through her to her through a trust so it can never be so it can keep staying in the family and be protected um also if, she, if she's getting sued at all um you guys pass she gets this money a year later she gets a car accident whatever you get sued they can go after that money um what else about oh so and that's kind of more the talk of uh when you pass but a trust also handles all the while you're alive kind of stuff as well so um you know, if you, again, get in a car accident or stroke and you're still with us and you, but you can't write, you can't talk. Um, there's a, a lot of issues that Julie would have to go through to get everything in her control so she can talk to the, you know, financial institutions and sign on your behalf. Uh, that all gets addressed uh, in a trust. Do you remember, uh, you know, you probably don't remember this. Do you remember the, the Terry Shavo case? Yeah. Does that name sound well, familiar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in Florida so, on life support. Nice. Yes. Um, I didn't remember that it was Florida, but yeah, you're right. So for 15 years, uh, she was incapacitated. She could not talk, could not write, you know, couldn't speak for herself. So for 15 years, her husband and uh, her family fought. So all that stuff gets addressed also in a trust as far as what to do, what extents to do, you know, how, how extensive to, to save your life and, and all that good stuff. So um, 
it really should be all detailed in a trust um, because you know, people sometimes think, well, I'll just get a will, right? I'll go to Susie Orman and get a will or whatever. It's, it's cheap. It's fast. The problem with the will is, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, is it does not avoid probate. So currently, any assets that you have that don't have a beneficiary form, like the money at the bank, um, any non-qualified accounts, basically, non-retirement accounts don't have beneficiary forms like an IRA does and a 401k does. So if there are no owners for that money, then that's that's going to have to go through probate. Um, so like okay. I said, the money, the money at the bank, what was your other non-qualified money? Oh, it was just that, um, oh no, you have money sitting at Fidelity, nothing big, but yeah. So it's mostly just the money at the bank. Oh, and the home, the house. So the house is probably just you and Julie on the deed, right? right. So that's going to have to go through uh, probate in order for somebody to be able to get uh, access to the house and be able to sell it for the, uh, for the kids or, or have a judge declare that the kids can deal with it, but it's still going to okay. have to go through probate. So when you get a trust, you change the deed of the house to the trust. So it passes. And, and a lot of times what I'll see is people put band-aids on it. Like they'll break, they'll like, well, I'll just put my kids on the deed of the house. And that absolutely uh, does avoid probate. So the house would go to them. No problem. Of course, when Tyler gets 18. Um, but the problem is, is that you completely lose out on what's called a stepped up basis. I'll explain kind of what that is. So let's say you bought your house for 200,000. And let's say you and Julie are on a hike, get hit, killed by a beer truck, and the house is now worth 400000 So the stepped-up basis says that your kids can now sell this house, not that they would, but um, on the day of your death, and they would not pay any taxes on that uh, $200,000 gain. The 200, you know, from you bought it at two hundred, now it's worth four. Right. They, they wouldn't have to pay any of those taxes because they get the stepped-up basis at your death. So, um, in, in, so let's say they didn't sell the house at the, on the day of your death, you know, sell a year later for 450, they'd only have to pay capital gains taxes on that 50,000. Okay. Yep. So you start adding people's names. Cause I see this all the time. People they're trying to get around a trust. They add their kids' names on the deed of the trust that stepped up basis is gone. So you, you lose all that. So now they're an owner of the house. And so they have to pay the capital gains from, you know, part of it from the day it was purchased. So, so for whatever you know, I paid for it when they were kids, they're on the hook for the capital gains that happen over time. Yes. Yep. And, but instead, if you get a trust and change the deed to the uh, deed to the trust, the trust maintains that stepped up basis. Okay. So you get all the best of all worlds. They get control of the house and they get the, the trust will keep the stepped up basis. So they will not pay taxes on all those. So, so let's say I do a trust today. Right. Yep. And, and in that same scenario, the house I'm in was you know, paid 200 for it. It's worth 400 now. When I start the trust, does it go in at the 400 value or does the trust absorb the responsibility for the capital gains from the two to the four? Is that a question you follow? I think I do. So, so you would change the deed to the trust and then, yeah. So, so basically how it would work is whatever, whenever you guys pass, whatever the, the date of your passing whatever the uh, value of the home is on that date, you get to keep all those, those capital gains will, uh, will not be taxed at all from the date of purchase to the date of your death. Um, okay. using the trial. Did, okay, did I answer that question? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. All right. Let me look at that slide. Uh, Ryan, go to that slide is a trust necessary. So cash at bank home and non-qualified money will be prorated. Can I answer that? Can't leave money to someone young. Okay. I said that car accident. Yeah. I scared, scared the crap out of you about that. 
and here, oh, inherited. Oh, I like the last one. A lot of people don't know this either. So, inherited IRA, meaning again, this is worst case scenario where you guys pass. Um, the Supreme Court, about I think it was about seven years ago, decided that they didn't decide this part, but the already in law is if somebody sues you, Brian, um, you're they cannot go after your retirement assets. They, an IRA is a protected asset. Okay. So, but what they decided about six or seven years ago was when you pass away and your kids get your IRA, now it's an inherited IRA, they decided that that no longer is a retirement asset. So creditors can go after that um, and anybody can go after that. So that that was another reason why a trust makes sense to have it uh, be, uh, you know, paid out to the trust upon death. So uh, to protect it from, again, that would be if she ever gets sued or something like that. Gotcha. Kids yep. ever get sued or something like that, or divorce proceedings, it. going after assets, yep. stuff like that. You got it. Divorce proceedings. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was before. If it, but if they, yeah, if they ever get sued at one point, um, you know, it was constituted as, well, no, this is an IRA. I don't care if it's an inherited or not. It's an IRA. It's a protected asset. And that's, that's what the Supreme Court decided like six, seven years ago saying, no, when they inherit it, which is really kind of stupid when you think about it. When they inherit it, it's no longer a, a retirement asset. It's just a something. It's just part of an inheritance. Mm-hmm. Kind of stupid, right? <clears throat> well, I mean, how many times can you tax the same dollar? Let's let's see how many times we can. Yeah, right. right exactly. We can take a bite of it. It turns out a lot of times, actually. Yeah, I'm sure. Times. It sounds like it more than I was aware of. Even I'm learning something here. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Actions. Ryan, go to that slide. All right. So I think we beat up on these. So need to start tax diversifying ASAP. Um, consider proper estate planning documents. Um, if there's a desire to continue life policies, consider switching the term. Oh yeah. I think, did do you know when your term policy expires? I think no, you, I forgot. To, I haven't called them yet to figure that out. I'm looking at my notes and I'm not quite sure what my notes say, but I've got, it says effective May 2012. And then I wrote 2032. So is it possible you knew at the time when we talked last that you bought it at 2012 and it's a 20 year term? Sounds right. That, that sounds right. I remember I was digging through all kinds of paperwork when we talked. And I think that yeah, that yeah, right. Sounds vaguely familiar. All right. Well, then, yeah, that's fine. They don't leave that alone for now. I would leave that alone now for now. Yep. Um, the only thing, because at some point um, we could get into another type of life insurance if you want um, some sort of long-term care protection, because they kind of change the rules on not term, but um, it would be a, like a universal life or a whole life. Um, it's a way to, it's a, another way to dodge taxes, um, uh, because when you put more money than needed into a life policy, um, it grows tax-free and it comes out tax-free. It acts basically just like a Roth, but why it might be beneficial to you. This is just something to think about, um, the death benefit that's created. And we can probably easily create like a million, if not more between you and Julie, um, that if something happened to you, the kids would get that a million, but what they changed uh, is that you can also use that 1 million while you're alive if you need it for long-term care tax-free. So again, you're young, so you could get, you don't care at this point. You're like, but um, you know, if your parents are like starting to, you know, think about this, you, you know how expensive it is. It's currently it's $8,000 a month um, just to get some care for like, again, let's say I keep, right. I keep making, I keep making you have a stroke, but if you have a stroke and Julie's got to like bring someone in to take care of you or, um, you're in a hospital long-term, it's super, it's about 8,000 a month oh, yeah. to take care of you. So in the worst time when that would happen is like, right when you're like, you know, five years from retirement or right when you retire and you've got these retirement assets and now she's got to go through a ton of it to take care of you. Um, 
if you like the idea of having some money for long-term care, um, it can kill two birds with one stone because we can produce some tax-free income in that as well. But nothing of any urgency. I think you guys are still we'll young. So talk about down that the road. down the road. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, oh, your current holdings. I did want to talk about this. Where are we? We're already half an hour in. I didn't think. Would... So your current, your, oh no, your 401k at your, you don't, you're no longer there, right? It's still at, at the old company. I've got, yeah, I've got one, one chunk of it sitting on my old, yeah, my old company. Yes, yes. It's all, it's all under fidelity, but I, I need to figure out what to do with it. Yes. So, and you said it, but you know, you'll probably leave it there, whatever, cause it's doing really good. So I found something interesting. Ooh. I think I'm going to push back on your little, I think it's doing well, really then, good. Well then, Hey, okay. I don't know. So here's the, the thing. Well, no, you told, you told me it made 24.5%. Like, yeah. So here's the and thing. And you told so, me I only need like six or seven. So I'm like way ahead of that six or seven right now. Yeah, just just hold your horses because I don't think you're really making that much money. <laughs> I'd like to know where you got that figure from because you gave me the ticker. So it's just basically a Vanguard uh, target date fund. Right. So I went and I looked it up and the top holdings are, so you've got 30% in a bond fund. You have another 13% in an international bond fund and 10% in an inflation protected bond. So almost 60% are in bonds. So I'm going, there is no way he is making 24% in a fund <laughs> with 50% in bonds, especially recently we had you know an inflation, an inflation scare, so bonds were crushed. And right. as you may or may not be aware, as the Fed starts raising rates, which they will do at some point next year probably, whether to curb inflation or just stop the, the darn stock market bubble, your bonds are gonna be crushed in here. So anyways, that's another story. So I looked at the, the performance, and it says the target, this fund that you told me you're in, uh, in one year made 13.37%. Over three years, it made about 9% a year, five years, 8.6. Anyways, so I'm curious. So I want to just do a little bit more research because I'm wondering if what you did is you're counting also your contribution. Oh, no, that's an old 401k. It's not, you didn't contribute to it at all. When's the last time you contributed to that account? Uh, January of this year. Oh, so you did still have contributions going in. All right. So yeah, that changes things. So that might be. Yeah, I drew one paycheck off that company this year. It says, let me look. So right now I'm pulling it. I just pulled out the Fidelity account. And it says, there, right there. I'll just. Uh, it's too bright. Where... Oh, there it is. 20 rate of return as of. But I'm wondering, I'm, I, I want to know where they got that figure. Again, I don't know if, they, if they're looking at, is it just that investment or is it including your contributions? Like, did your account go up 23%? I have, I don't know. That's weird. I mean, I typed in the ticker you gave me and you're like half in bonds. There's no way you made 24% in a, in a fund that's got half in bonds. I mean, it's, it just says, like, I've got a graph with my balance history here showing that it went from like just north of 250k in november of 20 up to 382k now yeah so that's including your contributions but i haven't made any contributions remember oh i thought you said you did in this year well i got one paycheck so like six percent oh bi-weekly oh, okay. paycheck so, so nominal yeah. amount yeah All i mean right. I, I resigned from that company on G january 4th of this year so i got my two weeks notice paycheck that you know, I was entitled to. And that, that figure was year to date or one year. So it says here, I don't know here, take a look at this. See if this, this helps any, 
anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll do my show the iPad to the screen again. Let me get it over there. There we go. The brightness. Does that work? Can you see that? Or is this just poor, poor production no, value here? Oh, you know what it is? It's yeah, you only put in a little bit in that contribution, but the company contributions was like almost $30,000. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because I would have, they only did the uh, 401k match once a year instead of every paycheck. Yeah, that's correct. That's okay. I thought I was going crazy. No, All yeah, right. they, right. they, they lump some the, the, the company match once a year. So that's right. what it is. There you go. All right, cool. So you absolutely should roll that into the IRA that I'm already managing for you. Cause I think we okay. made like 20 some percent over the last, all right, cool. All right. So all can right, I roll uh, out, like for this, can I take this and roll it into one of these Roths that we were talking about? Yeah. So what we would do is we would roll it into the IRA. Um, so there's no taxes and then that we would slowly convert into a Roth. But I don't know if I'm super excited about converting to a Roth right now with your income that you're making. Um, I'd have to crunch the numbers again, just because the, at your wages that you're making, plus if we convert some, um, you know, if, if I start getting really not cool when it starts, when you start jumping you up into the uh, above the 24% bracket, it starts to make not sense at all to convert anymore. So that's what I want to nail down more is should we convert? Um, okay. And because the only thing we risk, if, if we don't convert, we just let it ride. I mean, at least we're cutting back on the contributions, hopefully. So it's not going to ride as much. But um, if we just let it ride and, and um, the only thing we're risking is obviously because you're so young, we've got 40, almost 20 years where tax rates, if tax rates are going to go up, you know, we're, we're risking, you're going to have to pay a lot more if you'd wait to do conversions. Right. So I think, I think I do want to have that conversation. You're on board with doing maybe some conversions now? If it makes sense, I, obviously. I mean, if it makes sense, I'm open to anything if it makes sense. And in a perfect world, yeah, right. I'm, I'm beginning to think based on the conversations that we're having, this might be more realistic than I expected of maybe looking at setting a, a retirement date a little bit sooner, targeting, like, I, I would be great if I could retire 10 years after my kids are out of college. So figure yeah, right. Tyler graduates high school this year, be done with college in 2024, which has me retiring in what 2034 so basically you know when i'm 60 right does that sound right all right yeah so so yeah so really only a year or two years before what i projected so it's not going to really change that much money okay now, so it's not gonna make that, that much no um yeah so really the big issue is like my my report only shows you pulling out what you need to live on it's it, it doesn't equate it doesn't factor in that you're gonna have to pull out a lot more at 72, you know, when RMDs kick in, required minimum distributions. Right. And, and, you know, maybe 30% of that going right to the IRS. So that's something this report doesn't do. So I would be more comfortable. Yeah, if you if you were able to get some more into Roths now, then I know that figure of six to 7% is gonna be a lot more accurate. And can you, what's oh. the advantage of the Roth again? Is it, I'm putting post-tax dollars into a Roth? Is that yeah, what happens? So, yeah, so when you put money into a, a traditional IRA, traditional IRA. So you do get to uh, deduct off your current taxes, how much you put in. You, you probably can't even do that if your income's high enough. And then, uh, but as it grows, all these gains are going to at some point be ta uh, taxable because you have to pull the money out. In a Roth, you don't get to deduct what you put in, but 
it when it grows, all the gains are tax free. Okay, so there's no capital gains tied to it. There's well, there, in in IRAs, there are never capital gains. It's always when you pull the money out, it's taxed at whatever income tax brackets you're in. In both, I mean, in an IRA, basically. So when you pull it out, it's there. Yeah, as the money's growing, there are no capital gains. There's no dividends. There's no interest. It all grows tax deferred. But when you take it out of a traditional IRA, it's taxed at your regular income rates, whatever they are. So a Roth though can grow to two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, and it's all completely tax free. So you don't pay money on the gains or the money that you okay. put in, obviously, because you didn't deduct it. So it's it's all your money, anyways. So you can see if you start young enough, you know you you you're stopping the tax clock on all the money that goes into the Roth. That money will never be taxed again. All the money you put in and all the gains you get from it. Um, which is why, like, I, you know, recently in the paper, is it like Robert Thiel, I think his name was, you know, he's got like a $200 million Roth. And then you know, okay. the, the IRS is like, yeah, yeah, no, that's not cool. We, we, we didn't really plan it for people like you. But <laughs> so, so, because at some point I think they're going to get rid of the Roth, you know, and if you already have one, you'll probably be grandfathered in, but it's just too much of a, of a tax deal. Um, I mean, you could grow your money to, you you know, half this 3 million that you're going to have for retirement. If half that's in a Roth, that's all tax-free money. That's huge. Because if you, when you guys die, you, uh, and your kids get it, it's, they can, they, they're going to have to withdraw it because of the secure act that passed in 2020, but it's all going to be tax-free. So it doesn't matter. Whatever's money left in the IRA or the 401k, when you guys die and they get it again, they still have to withdraw it, uh, due to the secure act, but it's all going to be taxable at whatever tax rates they're in. Um, so it's a great tax-free gift, obviously, to your kids because uh, you've already paid the taxes on it long ago. Lucky them. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so if tax rates go up substantially, you know, you'll look like a rock star. If they go down, then it was the worst advice ever. But okay, fair. I don't enough. think anybody thinks tax rates. Yeah, are going I mean, down. taxes aren't really going down, right? I don't think so. No. Um, all right, cool. I think that's all I have for you. All right. You good? All right, we'll I'm talk good. again, of course, off air. Okay. Um, about some of the other stuff, but yeah, that's good. I think it's awesome. You're you're totally on track. Let's just make a few tweaks now, and I think you'll be golden. Awesome. Will you email me those slides just so I've got them for for reference? Yes, absolutely. And then you'll okay, you know you'll perfect. see the you'll get a copy of the video as well. So if Julie wants to review it or whatever, oh, I'm sure she will. Yeah, she'll 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 be into it once it's the, the filming's done. Yes, exactly. All right, so, cool. All right. Beautiful. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. Thanks for uh, All right, talk to you soon. Yeah.